Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi, I'm Bill Overton. Welcome to Behind the Barrier Voices from the Negro Leagues. In today's episode, we discuss how the breaking of the color barrier was very much financially motivated due to the popularity of the Negro Leagues. The unique style of play and entertainment value had fans flocking to the stadiums to watch Negro League baseball. However, as the color barrier was broken, and black players were entering both the major and minor league systems, the majority of those fans began to cross over to watch integrated play. And with that migration, along with no compensation to teams, we began to see the downfall of Negro League Baseball. Here is a picture of Dennis Biddle discussing the attraction of the different style of play in Negro League Baseball. The game was a different. They don't want to talk about the difference, the game was different than that of the major league. It was more daring and more excited. Therefore, thousands and thousands of people would come and watch the Negro League team play because of that. Dennis and Professor Leslie Heffy both point out the economic interest that major league owners first rejected, but then came to realize due to the success of the Negro Leagues. The mere thought or Jackie Robinson, had nothing to do with the major league ready to integrate. It was economics. Those owners went to those major league parks, sir, and rented those parks for those teams to play in when the major league team was out of town. That was a mere thought of Jackie Robinson. Simply because the Negro League teams drew more fans in the Major League Park, in the Major League team. That was a mere thought of Jackie Robinson. They don't talk about it. It's not pretty. These men, owners, was out to make money, and they made money. They put together all-star games against the black all-stars and the white all-stars, and, and they packed the stadiums. And the, and the black all-stars uh, a lot of times beat the Major League team. It's in the record books. Uh, a lot of those players that they later years put in the Hall of Fame played in those games against those players, the white player that was in the, put in the Hall of Fame. So many of the major league teams rented out their stadiums to Negro League teams. And they made a lot of money because, you know, we see it today when stadiums sit empty for a whole week. You're, you're paying you're paying for it still. You're not making any money. So Negro League teams were a huge source of income 
two major league teams. So the fear was on the opposite side. If the Negro League teams start to decline or disappear, then we're going to lose that rental income. Dennis goes on to discuss how the Negro Leagues ultimately became a farm system for Major League Baseball. The Major Leagues broke up the Negro Baseball League. Mr. Branch Rickey, he knew what he was getting ready to do was going to be a devastating blow to that league. He knew that. But he had a long-range goal he put forth that when it does happen, we're going to use the Negro League as a minor league system for the Major League. That's what it really was without the credibility. When he went to set up that idea of his, the owners refused. And they refused because they were making more money. Professor Leslie Heffy points out that fielding the best players is the way to bring in the fans. So there's certainly the recognition and, and Ricky and, and McPhail and all the VAC and all the other owners are certainly businessmen, right? So they are looking to put the best team on the field because the best team is going to win. The best team is going to bring in the fans and you are going to then consequently make money off of that. When players were signed, former Indianapolis Clowns infielder Reggie Howard points out that no revenue went to the Negro League or the teams. As an example, the Kansas City Monarchs, J.L. Wilkinson, Tom Barrett, white owners, did not receive one penny for Jackie Robinson. The Newark Eagles did not receive one penny for Don Newcomb. That was uh, Abe and Essa Manley, husband and wife's team. And uh, the home state Grays, Lisa uh, Sunny Man Jackson and uh, Cumberland Posey on the Grays, they didn't get one penny for Johnny Wright. Johnny Wright was the first player signed, first pitcher signed from the Negro League. Shortly after Robinson, maybe like three or four months after Robinson was signed, he signed. The blacks didn't get as much as they should have gotten out of it by just taking one in and then siphoning players off, which ultimately just destroyed the league. Pitcher Leo Westbrook discusses the contribution of the players who broke the barrier and what it meant to the major leagues. The contribution uh, that uh, that Negroes uh, made to baseball is uh, a big time uptick in in attendance, and that's what Branch Rickey was was thinking about. You know, when he Jack asked him why didn't he why why did he sign him and he rubbed his fingers together, he was told him the truth: money. And uh, so uh, more blacks begin to uh, show up at baseball games because you had the likes of, you know, uh, well, after Jackie, uh, Don Newcomb, and all those guys. Pitcher Hank Mason tells the story of the difference in attendance of the Negro League games versus the major leagues and the innovative reasons for the large audience. We played in Kansas City at Blues Stadium. Now, let me tell you something. In 1952, when I pitched 16 innings to beat the Philadelphia Stars 3-2, to two, we had something like maybe 14,000 fans in the stand. St. Louis Cardinals was playing the Cincinnati Reds in St. Louis, which is about 240 miles away from Kansas City. And they had 3,000 fans. Now, what do you think? Why do you think that uh, Branch Rickey 
signed Jackie Robinson because they was they wanted to see a different brand of baseball. You see, the Negro League, uh, the, the the Negro League players, they invented the double steal. They invented the drag bunt. They invented a whole bunch of things that the major league players wasn't doing that was excited to fans. And let me tell you another thing. The Negro League was the first league that played night baseball. And the Kansas City Monarchs invented night baseball because they had trucks hauling the Transformers from one town to another. And that's what invented night baseball. Dennis Biddle also points out how the major leagues studied the style of the Negro League players. The Negro League, uh, it, it, was, it, it was different than that of the major leagues. The play, the style, and the technique was different. Many times, and this was passed down, many times they said it could, the owners of those white teams were sneaking the game and studied their techniques and take it back to the major leagues and implement it. There's a lot of plays that they're doing in the major leagues today. Came from the Negro Baseball League. Infielder Nate Dancy remembers how many people showed up to a Kansas City Monarchs game. We had more white fans than we had African-Americans because we travel, see. And everywhere we go, when they find out that the Kansas City Monarchs was coming, I mean, they had to rope the, they had to rope the fields off for the people coming in. It was just so exciting. And then we sat there, sometimes we sat there for 30 minutes an hour before the game started just signing autographs. They were, they were so excited to see us play. Because we always put on a pretty good show for them. We put on, a, you know, like the infield, the infield was excited. And when we had a game, we had people get to the park early just to see us do the infield and, and batting practice. So that was really, really exciting to the game also. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. 
They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. Hall of Fame manager Buck O'Neill talks about how the Negro League All-Stars often beat the major league teams and how the major leagues were not superior due to the style of play. It was outstanding, really. It was outstanding because actually, you know, we won the majority of the ball game that we played the major leagues, that Beirut, Beirut All-Stars against the Satchel Page All-Stars. Uh, Bartitella All-Stars, Satchel Page All-Stars, and uh, the Dizardine All-Stars, Satchel Page All-Stars. Now, we won the majority of the ball game, but not that we were better than the major leaguers, but what actually happened is the, you know, the world said the best baseball in the world was Major League Baseball. And uh, we had, we wanted to prove a point that they weren't superior because they were major leagues and we weren't inferior because we were Negro League. So we stretched that single into a double, double into a triple. We stole home. We did these things. See, Jackie Robinson took Negro League baseball to the major leagues. That was Negro League baseball. Fast, quick, a lot of action. Pitcher Gilbert Black also remembers how competitive the play was between the black and white teams when they faced each other? Well, I, I, during the time I played, I played at the end of, uh, at the, end of the Negro League. I didn't play during the, during the heyday. And I, I talked to many players because we had a guy on the team named Johnny Williams who played in the, played in the Negro League. And he was, he was a bus driver and a chaperone. And I used to ask him a lot of questions about it. And he told me, that if the, during the barnstorming after the season was over, the white teams would get together, Stan Musial and the rest of them, and the black ball players would get together and they play each other barnstorming around the country. And one team would not outshine the other one, no matter no matter you know who was playing. The the black team had just as much of an edge on the white team as the white team had on the black team. Hall of Fame outfielder Willie Mays discusses how Negro League players changed the game of the major leagues. I think, I think when we came in the league, we changed the game. We changed the game from running to for throwing. At least I, I thought I did. Uh, I didn't think anybody could beat me doing anything when I came in the league. I was just a little cocky kid coming along, 20-year-old kid. I, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to catch these kind of balls. They're talking about people couldn't catch. I didn't. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to throw runners out like I did. Uh, 
uh, hit home runs. Uh, I just didn't feel nobody could beat me doing anything. And uh, that's the way I played when I came uh, into high school, when I came with the Barons. I was just one of those kids that, uh, hey, when the ball went up, catch it and throw it and hit it. So I did all those things before I even came to the Giants. It's just the Giants was organized a little more, and everybody started reading, or reading the paper about what's going on. So, Outfielder Sam Allen discusses the style of play and the unique show put on by the Indianapolis Clowns to entertain their fans. This was before Jackie Robinson went to the Dodgers. You could look forward to see Negro League teams come to town. I mean, they played, they played a, a different brand of ball. They ran and stole bases and hit long home runs, you know. And, and it was entertaining because, see, they had, like, the clowns and some of the teams had, had little acts, you know, with them. Uh, the flying Nesbitt was like an acrobat. But it, 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 was, it, was, it was entertaining. Author Cam Perrin discusses how the Negro League games were the place to be for black sports and how the focus of the fans began to shift after Jackie breaks the barrier. I mean, the, the Negro Leagues was, you know, there was no other sports league, um, you know, of, of all black athletes. The Negro League was, you know, the place to be in, in black sports. And so, you know, people would keep up with their favorite players in the newspaper. You had newspapers like the Chicago Defender, the Afro-American, and they would, they would cover you know, all of these games and people kept up with their top stars. And then obviously when, you know, major league baseball started poaching players like Jackie Robinson, some of that fandom kind of, you know, started to slip away as the top talent started to drift towards the major leagues. And with that, you know, the fans would rather see, you know, Jackie Robinson play on the Brooklyn Dodgers and go and see a New York black Yankees game. Professor Leslie Heffy also discusses the shift of the audiences to the major leagues as black players entered the league. Um, the newspapers are going to play an interesting role in all of this because as soon as Jackie um, and then Larry and others uh, enter uh, major, white major league baseball, right, you're going to see the black newspapers starting to devote an increasing amount of their coverage to following the black players that are now playing in the white major leagues, right, um, instead of Negro League teams. And so literally pushing the audience towards, and in fact, there's going to be discussion in some of the papers as some of the um, black journalists are going to, in the papers, uh, essentially take to task some of the black fans for saying that they were deserting, right, the black baseball teams to go watch these and that they needed to come back. And, and so definitely seeing this much larger audience that you could draw in because you've brought in Satchel, Larry, Monty, Willie Mays, Ernie Banks, etc. Pitcher Dennis Biddle discusses how the major leagues started to use the coaches and scouts from the Negro Leagues to contract players to the major and minor leagues. The Negro League got nothing for preparing Jackie Robinson. But what they did, they signed all the younger players to long-binding contracts. So if a major team league was, if a team were interested, they knew they were going to be interested because Jack had opened the door, and they knew they would be looking for talent. So these men that I talked about that fell through the crack that prepared us, this was their livelihood, preparing us. They would they would scout us in high school, 
colleges and playgrounds. They would they would bring us in those that could go and prepare, and and, and we had to sign a long binding contract. The major league start going to the same sources that the Negro League team was going to get talent. That's why a lot of the black ball players that played in the fifties and sixties and seventies never, never played in the Negro baseball league because the major league went to the college, the playground, and high schools. This is where the Negro League team got talent. When the major league team started doing this, the Negro League team, sir, could not compete. So by 1963, that was the end of the Negro Baseball League. Author Cam Perrin and Professor Leslie Heffy discuss how the clout of Major League Baseball and their system pulled both the players and fans from the Negro Leagues. You know, I think at the end of the day, um, you could ask this to former Major League Baseball players themselves, is they former Negro League baseball players themselves is they, you know, always just wanted to play in the in the major leagues. So, you know, if you have a, a Negro League team and then you have a major league team with only one or two black players, the fans and the the players who, you know, were one of one of the two black ball players on the now major league team, they they would go there instead. So I think the the clout of Major League Baseball was really just the end goal for, for everybody to, to go towards. Unfortunately, the, it limits the opportunities because so few get the chance to make that transition. And you think, okay, so that means the rest of them are just going to stay in the Negro Leagues, right? Well, no. Unfortunately, they went to Canada. They went into the white minor leagues. Um, and so the consequence is the door opens instead of opening fully wide, let's say it opened a quarter of the way, right? And so players slip through. And that does have an impact on the Negro Leagues, even if there's still plenty of players because the fans, right, who are your economic base are going to start to go watch the Brooklyn Dodgers because they want to see Jackie play. They want to see Larry Doby play. They want to see Satchel. And they want to see him playing against the white major leaguers. They want to see them do well. And so consequently, Negro League teams, that's part of their decline. It's not so much that they're losing huge numbers of players, right? They are losing their economic base. They're losing their support. And so as a business venture, they have to shut down. Every time a Negro League team shuts down, one of those players maybe got to go to the majors, but what happened to the 14 others? Suddenly they have nowhere to play. That's the true consequence. Where do they go? There is nowhere for them to go. Behind the Barrier, Voices from the Negro Leagues, is narrated by Bill Overton, produced by Taylor Haber, executive producers are Jason Weichelt, Darren Peck, and Ron Barr. Please check out our next episode, as well as the episodes in this series. This series is distributed by Sports Byline USA and the Eight Side Network. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift. 
and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.